Welcome everyone to this edition of the IMI Talking Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Sinead Kane, who is an international speaker, blind athlete, Guinness World Record holder, and lawyer, amongst other accolades. Sinead recently joined us for a hugely inspiring webinar for IMI members, and today she's here to share some of her insights into cultivating the mindset for success and building resilience. Sinead, if you could give your listeners an introduction to yourself and your story. Hey, everyone. Hello, everyone. My name is Sinead. I'm an international keynote speaker. I speak on the topics of resilience, mindset, teamwork, diversity, inclusion. I have two PhDs. I'm a double Guinness World Record holder, visually impaired athlete, also qualified lawyer, and I happen to have 5% vision and I'm registered as legally blind. I've I've represented Ireland at world and European level in 24-hour ultra running, which is very, very mentally and physically challenging. Um, I'm a lecturer in disability law and policy in UCC on the disability diploma program. Um, I don't let my disability hold me back and I'm living life to the full. Within the space of three months, I got two PhDs, an honorary and an academic. Throughout my whole life, I've always been underestimated, excluded, rejected. Um, And so, yeah, it it has been difficult when you're discriminated against. But like I say, I try to live my life to the full. I advocate on a daily basis to remove barriers in society that impact disabled people create meaningful change and um, winning those areas one being I challenged different policies in sport and I got change made there so for me what I want to do is I want to empower others to use their voice to impact change within their communities Um, and yeah so that's what my main message is to try and empower others to use their voice wisely I suppose my story shows how those who persist in spite of a disability can develop resilience, determination, motivation and creativity. Thanks very much, Sinead, for the introduction. And we'll dive a bit more into your story a little bit later. But for now, I want to talk about some of the concepts that you introduced us to on your webinar a few weeks ago. Firstly, fear. Can you tell us a bit about the types of fears that modern leaders need to overcome? Yeah, so for me, I think like fear, no matter how old you are, we all experience fear. Um, Think of something that you wouldn't do if you didn't have fear. So five fears that I feel you need to overcome to be a successful leader would be making the wrong decision, being criticized, speaking up um, as an authority, taking responsibility, um, failing endlessly for me if you have fears around those areas then it's going to hold you back a lot um, and so for me they, those are fears that um, leaders need to overcome. And how can leaders calm those kinds of fears and anxieties? Do you have any specific tips or is it more of an individual approach for each person? Um, For me, I think it's subjective because what works for one person may not work for another person. However, if I were to offer any tips, it would be around the area of self-awareness, self-care, purpose, mindfulness, relationships, um, 
free uh, tips regarding breathing, self-talk, repeating a mantra, like, for example, using the strategy of five, four, three, two, one. And so like using your senses. So grounding yourself and focusing on, okay, what are five things that I can see or what are four things that I can hear or so that's what I mean by the five, four, three, two, one in terms of um, using that as a strategy if possible. And Sinead, I want to talk about resilience now. So how can leaders or even followers for that matter build a kind of resilience toolkit to empower themselves at work? So for me, what I've learned is I've kind of the toolkit that I have would be around wellness, education, resources and communication. So when I talk about wellness, I talk about physical and mental um, wellness. So taking responsibility and setting yourself meaningful self-care time. So in terms of your wellness, focusing on, okay, Physically, what am I going to do today? What responsibility am I going to do? Am I going to go out and get exercise? What type of exercise can I do? Again, with mental um, wellness, what things today um, am, I, am I allowing take my energy or that provides me with good energy or negative energy? So um, that would be the first thing around wellness. Then education, what am I doing to um, in terms of learn, in terms of skills. And for me, the outcome would be competency. So, um, yeah, it's just about no matter how many qualifications you have, I think in life, lifelong learning is very important. So that's why in terms of a resilient toolkit, I have in wellness, I have in education, I also have in resources. So, what support system have you around you? What facilities, what equipment? And again, for me, the outcome there would be adaption. So sometimes in businesses, we have a fear about change. But I think if you focus on what resources are around you and the support system and the team, then the outcome that you're seeking being adaption that can happen when you focus on your support system and your resources. And then the final thing in my, um, well, I've lots of in my toolkit, but these would be four that I would see are essential. Um, the final one would be communication. So when you use your communication skills, it allows you to be self-aware in terms of listening and um, it allows you to be maybe more show more empathy to others because a lot of us can um, hear what people are saying but are we actually fully listening to what people are saying so that's about communication about empathy and then when we allow say if we go writing in a journal it allows maybe our creativity side to come out so I think it's important to focus on your communication within your resilience toolkit so I think as well that resilience is something that can be learned and developed over time. Um, we all have that opportunity. Every single day I'm learning about resilience and how to develop it through those four, through the, um, through the wellness, the education, resources and communication.
Thanks very much, Sinead. And now still talking about resilience, what are some of the key traits of a resilient leader? And what can we as leaders do to channel some of those characteristics in our work? In general, for me, what resilience leaders are and what they do is they show empathy, they're adaptable and able to improvise, they're self-aware and open to feedback. Like when I was doing my PhD, you had to um, be very, very open to feedback because you could do a month's um, summarizing of different articles and different journals and then your PhD supervisor would come along and say okay all, all those points you've made about all those articles is great but none of it has gone into your PhD thesis and so sometimes you have to be open to the feedback and say okay well is that feedback valid and then sometimes you have to say okay use your voice wisely and stand up and say well even though you don't think it should go into my thesis I stand by the points and I want them to go in and be able to argue out your point. So I think it's about um, being adaptable and open to feedback. It's about taking calculated risks. That's what I think um, resilient leaders do. They keep a positive attitude. Um, do they develop others? Commun- they communicate effectively. These are some of the traits that I think resilient leaders do. Um, it, for my tips, what people could do if, to try and be a resilient leader would be to lead by example when it comes to creating clear boundaries, making time for self-care and recharging your mental and emotional um, battery. Um, yeah, so for me, really great leaders know how to do that. They know how to practice these things And once you know about yourself, then it helps you to deal with others. So it's all about that thing about self-care, knowing about yourself, and then um, that then will shine through with others. I think continuous learning and development, like I was saying a while ago, is important. Resilience isn't something either you have to, you have or you don't have. Like I said, it's about learning and developing it so and then I think resilient leaders a trait as well they they always come back to their their purpose their driven purpose um they have a deep self-understanding of that and they develop their emotional resources they recognize that their emotion that that they need that their emotions need resources and that again comes back to self-care I kind of think um And yeah, so it's really about self-understanding, emotional intelligence and uh, being driven by purpose. Thanks very much, Sinead. You've given us some great insights here in terms of leadership. And now I'd love to hear a few more of your stories, which I'm sure our listeners will be keen to hear as well. Now, I know you were the first visually impaired athlete to complete seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. And I can't even fathom traveling to seven continents within that time, let alone doing a marathon each time. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, so the World World Marathon Challenge came about as a result of me having done the Volcano Marathon. I did the Volcano Marathon in November 2016. And after that, I found it very, very um, mentally and physically challenging. So 
I wanted to push myself even further. I wanted to grow further. So I said it to my running guide, John, how, what can I do that would be harder than this? And he suggested the World Marathon Challenge, which is run by Richard Donovan. He's also the race organizer of the Volcano Marathon um, Global Running Adventures. And the seven marathons, basically, you do marathon on a continent and then you get back on the bus and then you're driven to the airport. You get on a plane. Well, at the time, we were private, had a private chartered plane um, and you're brought to the next continent and then you get off. You go to your destination and you do the marathon and then you just get back on on the bus and you go back to the airport again. So in some ways, it sounds very glamorous to be going to seven continents. But um, in other ways, it was very mentally and physically challenging. Um, yeah. So and to put it in context, it was six days, nine hours to be exact. So our first marathon was in Antarctica, then it was Chile, then it was Miami, then it was Madrid, then it was Marrakesh, then Dubai, and then Sydney. Um, by the fifth day, because in the first marathon was in Antarctica, and by the fifth day, I had developed blisters so bad that my feet were really, really flat. And you could feel all the fluid swishing side by side in my feet um yeah and so what I've learned from the world marathon challenges has revealed my character of that um you will have good days and bad days but that I can get through both um and I think as well it's what I've learned from the world marathon challenge it's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than have an opportunity and not be prepared because even though I got to go on it the, many people don't see the amount of effort that I had to put in into trying to to get to go on the World Marathon Challenge. I decided in January 2016 to go and um, I didn't end up going until January 2017. And for that full year, I was trying to collab, get sponsorship and partnership from different companies. And it only came down to last minute, um, a month before the World Marathon Challenge in January 2017 that I actually got partnership with a company to actually go on the World Marathon Challenge and that was very difficult because that summer of 2016 when I kept was out on a Sunday morning at 6am training with my running guide on a track running around for four hours and when it was lashing rain and nobody there just pitch black and nobody at the sidelines cheering you on um, it's those moments that nearly count more than the World Marathon Challenge itself. And I kept training as if I did have the sponsorship to go on the World Marathon Challenge. But mentally, it was tough in moments because I kept asking myself, why am I doing this? Like, why am I training for this event when I don't have confirmation yet that I can go? So those moments were quite tough. And um, on the World Marathon Challenge, there was 33 race competitors and everybody was there for their own different reasons. And I think this is, again, I speak a lot in my motivational speeches about like your purpose driven and your reason why. And we were all there for our different whys and we all needed to call upon that why in different moments, in our different um, down moments, getting to go to Antarctica 
was a very special experience for me because in Antarctica at that time in the January, it was 24 hours of light. So I woke up during the night around 20, around 2 a.m. in the morning and I got out of my tent and you would think it was 2 p.m. in the afternoon because the sun was shining so brightly and I just had that moment to myself where I stood outside the tent and there was just no noise. And I just, it was a proud moment for me because I've come a long way because during primary school, I was bullied and in secondary school, I was bullied. And to get to that point of never being included in sport in school and then to get to then end up standing in Antarctica competing in an event with um, some world-class athletes was a very special moment for me. Hugely inspiring story there, Sinead, and what must have been an amazing experience for yourself. Thank you so much for sharing. And just to end off, what is your advice for any visually impaired or otherwise disabled leaders out there or aspiring leaders? And I don't just mean people in the athletics field or in sports. I mean, any kind of aspiring leaders. What tips can you give them? I think what it really comes down to is being willing to adapt, learn and transform yourself. Like throughout my life, I've constantly grown. I constantly adapted. I have to adapt because of my disability. Um, and so it's about adapting, learning, transforming. In life, I've achieved many achievements. But again, I couldn't have achieved half of things that I have if it wasn't for the help of people around me, none of us do life by ourselves. So I think it's important to ask for help. I think in our negative moments, and I have plenty of mornings when I wake up and say to myself, okay, what else can go wrong the, today? Or um, I think in those moments, it's important to find perspective. And sometimes in those moments, it's hard. You can't find perspective. And so sometimes you need other people to give you the perspective. So I think perspective is important. I think work on your strengths. Like some people might be trying to bring you down a road where you just, you're just, your strengths just don't lie in that area. And so I think try and learn about yourself, invest in yourself and find out what are your strengths, develop coping strategies and as you go through life you learn those coping strategies for me I know that going out into nature that that refreshes me and it helps me given my disability I can't drive so I can't get to very um nature uh, picturesque spots um different locations so sometimes then my friend would bring me and again that comes back to asking for help to just go to a nice maybe location like a woods or something when I'm getting overwhelmed at the start of a 24-hour race when I'm representing Ireland I use coping strategy of telling myself this is fine I've done this before it's okay I repeat a mantra in my head um, and I just say I'm fine this is okay and I just keep repeating that over and over again and like I use 
a breeding technique, like I was saying earlier, that it's important to use breeding techniques when you're going into a business meeting, a very important business meeting. I would like to use the coping strategy of run out of the corridor and off down to the beach because I live uh, in a seaside town, but obviously that's not practical. So I have to rely on breeding strategy. So I try and do a body scan and I focus on where I feel tension within my body and I just try and make myself relax. Um, so for me, it really does come down to those things that I've just listed. I um, that They would be my main pieces of advice to for people and like even visualization I use visualization a lot um and yeah for me visualization is something uh, that is very important to me I've used it for many of my goals and it has worked and um you have to practice it though in terms of visualization you have to really be able to see your goal first you need to be able to see it before you can expect others to see your goal Thank you very much, Sinead, for coming on the IMI Talking Leadership podcast today and for sharing so many thought-provoking insights and interesting stories with us. And thank you to everyone for listening. You can follow the IMI Talking Leadership podcast on SoundCloud or your preferred podcast provider to ensure that you don't miss an episode. Until next time.